The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest edition of the Chris Sheeran Show podcast here on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes. Lou's here. I am. I'm here. Yes, you are. Let's get this going. Okay. Uh, so the Rangers uh, didn't win Game Seven. Nah. It's kind of hard to win a hockey game, Lou, uh, especially when you're home when you don't score in 147 minutes plus. Well, the the object of hockey is to put the uh, small, about eight inch diameter piece of hard vulcanized rubber <laughs> into a net that's about you know eight feet wide by three feet high. And I know Ben Bishop is six seven. He he's not you know small in stature. But uh, Corey Crawford is. <laughs> how about last night with them oh, scoring two goodness. goals in two minutes Good after not Lord. scoring the entire game? And did you see how they got on the board first? Yeah. Did you see the Blackhawks might have looked at some tape? Yeah. You got a little traffic in front of them. And listen, they say some base hits, that ball had eyes to get through the infield. That puck had 20-20 vision, my friend. If you, if you get somebody in front of the oh net, my Ben Bishop is like a little person in the pit at a metal concert. That's He awesome. can't see anything, and all he hears is noise. <laughs> all he heard was ding yeah. when the puck went by him. But that puck, if you watch that slow-mo replay, I think it was, uh, what was his name? Tavo. I can't pronounce his name, but yes, it's the Swedish-Norwegian guy. Something that ends in S-S-O-N. I can't even pronounce it. Teravinen. That's Teravinen, it. Table Teravinen. He, that shot, if you go, do yourself a favor, stop, pause this for a second, go to YouTube and watch how this shot finds its way through at least four different players. I don't know how it got through everybody. It was a heat-seeking missile. It was a snapping wrister from near the point, and it gets through and it beats Bishop. But here, let's go back to the Rangers for a second. See, now... I was out on set for BPTV right before we go on the air. Our producer that night, Jared Boschnack, you can't give me twenty. You can't can't give me a twenty count to her on the air, and then in the same breath, do you think we should break up the Rangers? <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that because I just start rambling. He's like three, two. You can't ask me that. So he he kind of saw my face and he saw where I was going. He goes, "Don't say it. Just don't say." It. I said, "Jared." He goes, "We've been there three out of four years." I said, "Exactly." And they still don't have their names on a cup. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not saying roll a holy hand grenade in there. Thou shalt not, not count to five. <laughs> Three. One, two, five. Three, sir. Um, Ding. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think you need to go out there and blow up the whole team. No. There's a couple of guys that need to go. But I think some changes. <clears throat> now, look, here's what I thought of the next day that I wanted to text Jared and say, okay, let, let me give you another scenario really quick. Three out of four years, the Yankees make the ALCS and don't get to the World Series. So this is the mid-2000s? Are the, but are there changes? There were. There you go. Changes there, need to be made. Not were. wholesale. No. Not wholesale changes, but certain – like he wants to bring Martin St. Louis back. For a year, for a million dollars. Martin St. Louis should not be back in any capacity other than a healthy scratch. You saw him, he, he, but his argument was he scored 21 goals. Okay, that was during the regular season. Yeah. Did you see him by the time the playoffs got here? He says, yeah, but you got to get there. Yeah, but he's dead weight once you got there. He's 40 years old. 
A million dollars? That's not a discount. 21, 21 goals in 82 regular season games in a situation like that is the equivalent of somebody driving in 45 to 50 runs in a Major League Baseball season. Right. But they can't play defense. They don't hit for any power. And by the time the playoffs came around, yeah. you're talking about, like, this is how it got the, the minutia of Martin St. Louis. He still has good hands. Great! How many assists did he have in the playoffs? Oh, he still got great hands? Then maybe he can go, like, I don't know. Win a hand model, like Costanza. Win an egg toss competition, and And maybe it'll matter. Look, I'm not trying to poop. The guy has had a great, and not a good, a great NHL career. But if you want to call a spade a spade. And he's won a cup. Yes, he had a terrible play. He had the one game in Tampa where he blew up. There's, There's a very often said saying, cliche almost, that Especially the greater the athlete is, the fall from grace is swift and ugly. And I'm not going to say Martin St. Louis' fall from grace has been swift and ugly as, as some, but he looks like that kind of guy that that's it. I'm not he say- can go play on the fourth line on a bad team exactly. and be a veteran presence. That's what I was just going to say. He can go be what Kevin Garnett is going to finish right. his career as in Minnesota. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I'm not saying he should hang him up. He could still go, as right. Lou said. And, and be on a fourth line somewhere yeah. on a decent team and teach the people. Like yeah. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson credits Martin St. Louis for getting him to where he is right now. Edmonton with their cadre of the Taylor Halls and the you know those guys, Ryan Nugent Hopkins of the world back in the day, could have used a guy like that. Yeah. So I'm sure there's more than one team that right now is, is kind of young, rebuilding a little bit. Looking to uh, looking you know to the build, Oilers, and, and the, you know the Oilers might not be a bad spot for him. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to go there, but it might not yeah. be a bad spot. But somewhere like Phoenix, so you know, somewhere that's got a little bit of young talent, maybe needs a mentor, kind of a veteran guy who can fill in. It's just like in baseball with guys like that that are relegated to DH or reserve roles. You know, look at Ichiro. Right, guy can still go at forty-one, but he's a fourth outfielder on the Marlins because you know what they got a lot of young guys. He's a good veteran presence. It just that's a good fit for him. Now everybody wanted to trade Talbot to get a piece in, but Skapsky just yeah went down surgery. For, yeah, he's down four for four to six months. Four to six months. So you can't trade Talbot. No. You, you got to keep Cam Talbot, especially if something happens to Henrik again. You saw what happened when Talbot came in yeah. and actually got some legs under him and started playing like a world class goalie, yep. and was one of the main reasons, if not the reason, the Rangers won the Presidents Trophy. Yeah, but. What is what? Did, what did, people are people are saying they're throwing around Rick Nash. We got to get rid of Rick Nash and get some pieces in here for him. A, who's going to take his contract? Right. When does the cap expand? Next year. right? Next year it goes up a little bit yeah. from sixty nine to seventy one. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't look. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm Glenn Sather. Makes uh, his contract less bad, I guess. For uh, like, uh, that's <laughs> less bad. <laughs> Semantically, you hit the nail sure. right on the head. Uh, it makes his contract less bad. But, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here, and I don't know what they should I, – I don't know who you go out and get. I don't. I don't know how you improve the team. Here's, here's what I think. But I know at. this. I know this. Three out of four years in the Eastern Conference Final, one year you get to the cup once, and you don't have a cup. That's, to me, look, you could shout from the mountaintop. Yep. That the Rangers have been the only ticket in the New York area for the past five years that has done anything worth a lick. I get it. But we don't care about Eastern Conference Finals in New York. Yeah. Okay, We don't care about second place. Second place is, what did Ricky Bobby say? First second loser? Second place is first loser. 
That's Strange first or last. It's great to build on. You know, when you get to the Eastern Conference Finals and you lose to the Devils, okay, you're back. You got back to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2012. It, it felt like a stepping stone for that team. Mm-hmm. After that, though, you got you, you to gotta get to the cup and win it. Yep. Here's, and and here's, how much longer does Henrik have? Let's yeah, be honest. Three, three to five years. I mean, he's 32, so yeah. three to five years, you know, as a, as a full-time, although Brodeur went to 40, I mean, and was still fairly effective at the end. Here's, here's what, what the situation is. And the Rangers aren't afraid to make these changes. Otherwise, Brad Richards would still be clogging up somebody's line right. in the middle. Kevin Hayes played very well, but he's a winger. He's not a center. You know, he, he's better on the wing. You, you need a Brian Boyle type. Losing Brian Boyle hurt a lot because there was a lot of movement on those lower lines in, in the center positions. Um, you know, you've got a couple of good ones up at the top, so you're good there. You need a Brian Boyle type. They need a fourth-line guy and, you know, not necessarily a Mike Rupp type or, or a uh, Colton Orr type or one of those guys, but just somebody who can be physical but Scrapper, also has the scoring yeah. touch. Mm-hmm. Brian Boyle actually was that before he became the Brian Boyle we are now. So they need maybe Brian Boyle 2007 and Brian Boyle 2013 to fill in those last couple spots, send San Luis on his way and say, thanks for everything, we, we, we love you, take care. Because he made every line he was on in the playoffs worse. He did. It was, he it made was every line on the, he was on in the playoffs worse. To the point where he sat in the middle of, in the middle of that one series. It, I forget it, if it was the second round or the finals. It was the Tampa series. Yeah, he sat. Who, who made, who caught, the Rangers win game one. Game two could have took the 2 nothing lead at home. Yep. Who gives up the puck? Shorthanded. Five on three. MSL. Yeah, that just, that wakes me up at night. Why does it wake me up? These guys probably well, I can't say that about hockey players, and I don't know how St. Louis feels, but most of the time, professional athletes, and they have to get over it quick because they had another game. Yeah, sure. But me, I'll be thinking about that in November. Yeah, and it's it tells you something about though the respect and what Vino thought of them that in Game Seven when they dressed eleven forwards because we didn't know McDonough and Boyle were both playing with broken lower extremities. Uh that's true, it too. It was Shepard who was scratched and not San Luis. And you think about that. Exactly. And you think about that <laughs> for a second. McDonough with the broken foot. Um, Stahl with the ankle. Stahl, not Boyle. That's what, I'm Stahl sorry. Stahl with the ankle. I had Brian Boyle in the brain. What? If they win game set, I mean, what happens? That's your number one defensive pairing, right? there, Or your top two guys on one side, and, I should say. And Stanley Cup finals? Yeah. And you know McDonough would have kept playing. Uh-huh. Whether it's a hairline, whatever it was. Tape it up and and he would have played. Yeah, that to Mm -hmm. me, I don't know. Since game four, he's been so five, six, and seven. This guy's playing basically on a a broken foot. And we find out that Zuccarello didn't just have a concussion; he had a fractured skull and and traumatic brain injury. He didn't have the ability to speak for three Three days. days after he got hit. Now I'm, you know, he gets hit. I'm saying, ah, concussion, seven days. He'll be back. Never came back. Him being out too, you know that that also mitigated that made San Luis a little more important. It did fill that spot on the roster. I mean, and, and just, maybe the extra ice time <laughs> took away from what he can do. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's again, they need you know a couple of not even key pieces. They just need a couple of ancillary, for lack of a better word, yes. pieces. Because you know, as much as Rick Nash has been maligned, as much as Rick Nash in the postseason I has been A Rod pre two thousand nine, but I thought he had a great postseason. It's not like he, he wasn't just didn't playing; score. he just didn't, didn't score. score. 
But in terms of production, he was A-Rod pre-2009, the last right. two years. Right. Despite that, they've made a cup final and gone to the third period of Game 7 in the conference finals scoreless. So that, that's what it all comes you know? back to for me. Game 5, you play all season to get home ice advantage. You get that. You have Game 5, which was tied at 2. They lose. They get shut out. Then you have Game 7 back in your building after you, after they pull Bishop from the game. Bishop did he not. He was al- so bad. He did not allow a goal in New York in the span of a week. Yes. Yes. Think about that for a second. Now, if you, it took me a while to digest it, but once I digested that, the better team is playing Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. They are. I will say this, and, and I had this discussion. I came in on Monday, head down at the desk. Brielle, you know, was just as disappointed. She was there <laughs> watching this. Yes, she was. And I just said, you know, I knew going into the third period, the first goal was going to be a fluke. Just something was going to happen, like somebody was going to get one. And it was Tampa. It was Kalorn, you know, gets that one that goes through the wickets. And then as soon as they hit that breakaway, when Johnson ended up, you know, to Palat and they scored, mm-hmm. I was like, that's it. I was like, he's going to score and that's it. Because you just saw it coming. It was just the, that was the Tampa Bay season in a nutshell. Like, these are the guys that power it, and here we go. We gave them one chance, and that's all they needed. And the last thing here before we get to the Yankees, if, if you – I want you to put yourself right now in Henrik Lundqvist's skates for a second, okay? Game five, what, they lose that one 2 nothing also? Mm-hmm. And game seven. Mm-hmm. So both those games, 2 nothing losses. Hank is sitting back there. Now, I know the first one was kind of fluky. That's hockey. Yeah. You know, that, that happens all the time. He's sitting back there in his goal. You can't give me one, guys. You can't give me the first one just so I could have, so I could play with a little bit more confidence, so I'm not pretty much pressing out Lundquist diamonds, as I said on Facebook, but it's the truth. And if, yeah. how much pressure does this guy have to go through? You think you have it bad as fans. Think about this guy between the pipes. He could turn coal into diamonds in his stomach. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? And if you looked at him on the bench at the end while they were uh, celebrating with the the trophy, he had his head down. He was miserable. As if he, like, that's just how he is. This was my fault. Like, that's how he looked on the bench. And there was no way, shape, or form any of that was his fault. Minus maybe game two. Before the first goal was scored... In game seven, I looked at John from the diner. I was there. He invited me in to watch the game there. Diner was closed, but we were open. Um, and I looked at him and I said, if this goes to overtime, nothing, nothing. We're going to need something stronger than what we're drinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so in that aspect, I was happy because overtime, goose eggs, you know, I, I can't take it. After that King series last year where no bounce went their way. And, the, you know, sticks got in the way of wide-open nets. I, I couldn't take another one. So I'm kind of – I wasn't happy that they lost, but I was glad it was over in regulation. And it was just like a Band-Aid, like Seinfeld. You, yep. don't, you don't try to peel it really slow. You're right off. You just yep. rip it. And you know what? I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm rooting for the Lightning because I'd like to see Captain Callahan win a, win a cup just for, you know, the Lifetime Achievement Award. I have zero interest in that series until somebody's at three. I, I can't watch Just, it. I have zero interest. I can't watch it. No, see, I don't have zero interest. I, I'm rooting for the Blackhawks um, because I, I – just because so many Devil fans 
jumped on the Lightning bandwagon, and you know who they are. Oriema. You mean like Joe Oriema and Mike Medvin? Mike Medvin. Yeah. Who, who Boy, right, I love the Whitening. Who, who right away, uh, if you have anything to say about the Rangers and Devils, we have three. Co- yeah, we can count. We know. Yeah. Martin Brodeur also, and I'm not taking, I blogged about it. I'm How's not that worked out it. for the Devils, by the way, since they won that Eastern Conference final? How have they been doing since then? I know. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, yeah, but see, they, they like to live in the past. Now, now I know how people felt like when I was a Yankee fan growing up, and I would say, you know, 26, yeah. 26 world championships. And they would say, what? what are we talking about now? No, 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 no. You t- talk to me when you have 26 titles. No, 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 no. No. You live in the now. And, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought people who are in their mid to late 30s would have actually grown up by now. Because, listen, when the, I give Lou Lamarillo and the Devils all the props they deserve. Because in, in hockey, pre-2005, when you could play that stupid trap, and I, I, I looked at it. I did the numbers. Um, Brodeur, uh, he faced 18 and three-quarter shots per game. In a series back Lund- then. Lundquist faced that in multiple periods in Lundquist, this past Lightning series, 38.75. Yeah, he, faced, he faced 19 shots per period multiple times. Brodeur had a Hall of Fame defense. Scott Stevens at the helm and multiple others behind him. Thank you. And they had some pretty gifted offensive players. Yeah. And once they got the first goal, good night, Irene. Mm-hmm. You weren't getting past the neutral zone. So say what you want, Devils fans, about your little three-cup run. Fine. Your cup runneth over. I get it. I have the empty plate for the past four years. But you know what? We were playing meaningful hockey games while you were on the golf course. The Devils weren't playing meaningful hockey games in April, let alone May and June. So from Lou and I, here's a big shoosh to all of you out there. But I I just wanted to... But we have three. <laughs> and just remember, I have a whole bag of shh. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, move, let's, talk to let's move on to a team that's won in the last week. <laughs> the New York Baseball Yankees. Anyway, uh, first thing I want to talk about, something positive, something that we were talking about last week, uh, because we did bring up whether – are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. The chair's I just, okay. My chair just accidentally skied <laughs> backwards. But David Carpenter, we were talking about him and, you know, what, what would the Yankees do if it came down to him and Lindgren and a lot of other guys, as we were talking yep. about that last week. Uh, they DFA'd Carpenter and Lindgren stayed, which I personally, I love that move. Yeah, you know, Girardi sort of explained that well yesterday, saying that Lindgren as a ground ball pitcher works very well in Yankee Stadium. So it's a move that was made for more than just Wednesday. Um, and that makes sense. They play their next five games at home. Um. You know, two against the Nationals after this three-game series this weekend. Against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Angels Angels of Anaheim. Um, So that makes sense. Uh, And Carpenter, you know what? Listen, we talk about situations. We talk about those sink or swim moments. David Carpenter was brought in ostensibly to be Sean Kelly. Is that fair to say? Yeah. He was brought in to be a seventh-inning guy, good stuff, overpowering, can, you know, fill in the back end as necessary, but that was his role. And when he came in in the sixth inning in relief of CC Sabathia and gave up that double, that was it. That the, was the moment where it was just like, you know what? The life jacket was gone. That was just like, you know what? That's it. You, this, was your, this was your last chance, and you blew it, and goodbye. Which sucks, because he's a, he's a very nice guy, 
and said all the right things yesterday to all the beat guys out there. And, you know, everything is, you know, he, he wishes he could have done better and feels like he let the team down. And you know what? You look at his numbers. He did. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. He did. And, you know, it was said, <clears throat> it might have been uh, the Lohud blog. I forget where I read it. Um, but I think, who, who does that again? It's Chad. Jennings. Chad Jennings. Yeah. Idiot. Just, Our hot stove, newest hot stove yes, contributor. his name just like <clears throat> flew out of my mind. But anyway, I think Chad brought up the point. Uh, everybody wanted to know why Girardi kept going to Carpenter. And, and you brought it up, you know, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And that's yes, basically. Yes, it was because I read that this yeah, morning. So, yes. Basically what he said, mm-hmm. it was because he needed to see if he could rely on him right. in those situations. And <clears> obviously <throat> he yep. couldn't. Uh, he gave him multiple chances to turn it around. He didn't, so he's gone. Lindgren stays, and uh... and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Martin was optioned to the minors Saturday or Sunday after his rehab mm-hmm. game, <laughs> not even assignment game. Yeah, so he can't come up until the middle of next week, right? Which happens to coincide with the end of the homestand. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the lefties, probably Lindgren, unfortunately, just because that's the way it works, is optioned back to AAA and Martin returns. Come the middle of next week, you know, once he's eligible or if somebody gets hurt sooner. But, yeah, Lindgren has a better chance of pitching at Yankee Stadium. Being, being manager of the Yankees. Is, the Angels have a lot of left-handed hitters, too. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Being, Good ones. Being a manager with the Yankees is akin to being the president of the United States. That's why when managers get the job and leave the job, yeah. <laughs> look like they age about 30 years. <clears throat> and this is – don't worry, this is going somewhere. This, I'm sure it is. this is the reason why Joe Girardi, you know, gets an extra wrinkle or maybe gets another gray hair or his hairline recedes a little bit more. He gets Masahiro Tanaka back, who was lights out, mm-hmm. topped out at 95 on the gun in that last uh, game against the Mariners, had a filthy sinker, splitter, slider, used everything, looked tremendous. Four-seamer, yeah. Four-seamer, gave up three hits. No runs, no walks, nine Ks. Three hits in the same inning. Three that hits was it. in the same That inning. was it. And that was it. He looked phenomenal. And he loses Brian McCann. For God knows how long. As he said, once you get an MRI tube, who knows. But if his foot's been hurting for 10 days, I said when I came in this morning to, to our boss, I said, you know, today is an off day. It should be a nice, easy day. They're flying back, whatever. I was like, we're going to get an email at 3 o'clock that says Brian McCann's got a Liz Frank and he's out for the year or something ridiculous. Like, it just... That's the way the Yankees' luck or bad luck has been and, of late. And not, not just like Yankees as a whole, but McCann was tearing the cover yeah. off the ball the past Dude, two hit weeks. Four, four home runs in you know four straight games with a home run had ten RBIs or so in the week after he came out of that game. I mean, he's been dominant. And you know how catchers are. Yeah, catch, catch, for a catcher to speak up about something that's barking, something's, something's wrong. wrong. Something's wrong. So yeah. if you want – you can look at it positively all you want. McCann is a warrior. This guy mm-hmm. – you, he's, he's been playing with it mm-hmm. for the past couple weeks. So for him to actually pipe up and say something to get an MRI – Something's wrong. You know, I, I immediately thought I'm not a doctor, but when I was reading the article today, the symptoms, I said, oh, plantar fasciitis. And then later in the article, that's what it said yeah. it might be. And, you know, you remember Jason Giambi – Yep. You can go back to that reference point. Guy missed half a season there you because go. of plantar fasciitis. So, you know, he. my point is Joe Jones, he can't win. He can't win. And you brought up with Tanaka something 
you 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 brought into the illusion of something. The one thing I wanted to talk about on this week's podcast, oh, nice. you brought it up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. The dichotomy of that pitching performance yesterday. Two weeks ago, after Tanaka's first game in Scranton, which you were there for, mm-hmm. the next day, Joe Girardi was asking. Jack Curry was filling in for Meredith at the stadium mm-hmm. that day, and Jack specifically asked him. You know, when they said Tanaka's next rehab will be Wednesday in Pawtucket. They went from 45 to 60 to 65. Jack specifically asked him, you know, if he's bumped up to 85, could it be at this major league level? And, you know, Joe said the right things. Maybe you never know this, that, the other thing. This is the dichotomy of that. It's a better option to have than he threw 40 pitches in an inning was getting shelled and he didn't get to 85. But at 78, cruising through seven innings, you have to take him out. Because realistically, I guess you don't want to send him back out for one batter. Girardi said they were expecting six, the extra up and down, whatever. But then you bring in Chris Capuano, who just was okay. And then you have to bring in Andrew Miller for a five-out save. It's the dichotomy of that situation. If Tanaka was healthy and he wasn't on that pitch count, he would have pitched the eighth inning. Possibly even the ninth, the way he was going. And he would have went right to Miller. He might, you might have brought him out for the ninth, depending on how quick. He was at 78 pitches. Oh, no, I know. But if, if he throws 10 in the eighth inning, he's sending him back out there. But if Tanaka got into any trouble, he would have brought oh, him out. Oh, right. That's absolutely. what I was saying. Yeah. But that's the, that's the dichotomy of the situation. You have this awesome performance, but it's cut short because you're doing something to benefit the team rather than wasting his bullets, so to speak, as, as Joe and Michael Kay even in the pregame the next, uh, the next Wednesday when he was pitching in Scranton for, or for Scranton in mm-hmm. Pawtucket. As opposed to wasting his bullets in AAA, you bring him up here, and would Chris Capuano have given you that start? N- not in a million years, no. But you see, well, what maybe ha- against this Mariner team, you can't. Who hit. just acquired Mark Trumbo <laughs> yes, today? I know. Yeah. And our old buddy Vidal Nuno. Vidal Nuno. Um, yeah. So it's the dichotomy of you got Tanaka back, but then you had to pull him, and then you go to the bullpen where Capuano's in an unfamiliar role, and you got to go to a five-out save with Miller because you don't want to use Batances. But who fills Carpenter's role? It's it's kind of a mess in the back end right now, and it's a good time for a day off. Let's put it that way. It was a good reassess. time for a day off, but you know what? Would, mm-hmm. would it surprise you if Lindgren gets worked in because of all the lefties, and if he has success against the Angels and these mm-hmm. lefties, would it surprise you at all if he maybe trickled into that seventh inning? Yes. It would. Yes, it would. Justin Wilson has been much better in that okay. role all year. That's the only— Stuff-wise, no. I, Jacob Lindgren is awesome. We know this. Stuff-wise, no. So in the pecking order, but I'm thinking he that would be right below knowing Justin. How, knowing how Joe Girardi mm-hmm. and the Magic Book of Fun like to manage the bullpen, mm-hmm. I would think that the first person to get that shot, because they now have five lefties in the bullpen, is Justin Wilson, because he's proven to be a little bit more than a lefty, lefty guy throughout his career, and especially this year. Whereas now Lindgren can be that matchup guy. You know, you got David right. Ortiz coming right. up. Here you go, Jake. Go get him. And you, you can know? put out. Oh, uh, Pujols is coming up. Here you go, Jake. Go get him. Yeah, and you could put Wilson in <clears throat> yep. for an entire inning. Doesn't He's your seventh inning yeah, guy. And right. then you've got Shreve, Capuano, Rogers in that kind of middle game. So you get into trouble Roll. in the six. You got a lefty coming in. There's Lindgren. Lindgren. Come yep. on in. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's a better option than Capuano or Shreve with just based on his stuff. To be honest. All right. So let, let's talk about this rotation now. Yeah. That, <clears throat> you know, with Tanaka and Pineda, the way they pitched in Seattle, Pineda outdueling. Now, look, Felix had an off night. Everybody's allowed to have an off night, whatever. Um, but if they scored one run, <laughs> two runs, yeah. Yeah, they, they, win, they win or they're right in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So 
<clears throat> and Teixeira just continues to pound this guy. I mean, you scratch your head at 303 with six homers. He has the most home runs against Felix and any other batter that's ever faced him. That's 705 batters, by the way. I counted them. Fun, fun fact here. <laughs> a- AJ, our new, our new web yes. editor, asked me yesterday, you know, when text went deep, uh, after, you know, Tuesday, Monday night and all that. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, after all this, he's doing so well, like, you know, did he do anything in the offseason, like, other than his diet? And I'm like, no, that's what he says. Like, he credits it. He's like, do you think it worked? I'm like, do you think a guy at 35 coming off major wrist surgery all of a sudden turned into Willie Mays? No, of course it worked. I mean, that's – Teixeira in April has been terrible most of his career. So if I go gluten-free, you're telling me this podcast would be better? <clears throat> sure. <laughs> Just because I want to see you go gluten-free. But, you know, that's the thing. Tex made a change, and it's working. His body is feeling better. He's healthy, and it, it makes a big difference for a guy like him, especially a power hitter. He talked about it all year last year with the wrist injury, managing expectations, and, you know, I'm not 100% healthy. I'm getting back into things, this, that, the other. Now he's not only that, but he's above and beyond, and look what's I, happening. I don't I mean, think there's a singular player, <clears throat> and you could debate me on this, but I don't think there's a singular player both ways that makes this Yankee team a better team overall than Mark Teixeira. The only one that I would even say is close is Jacoby Ellsbury. I was going to say him, but he can't stay on the field. Right. Uh, Neither can Teixeira sometimes. But if you look at what he has brought to the plate, look, he said if he gets healthy and the wrist is better and he's healthy all around, he's back to that 30-100 guy. And he looks like that now. He does. He really does. And Ellsbury looked great before his knee injury. He did. And let's, let's be fair, despite his average being low, McCann... With his power potential and the way he calls a game. That's a huge loss. Him and Ellsbury would probably be like kind of fighting for that runner up podium, but yeah, it's definitely um, Tex at the top. I, I, I hate to be, mm-hmm. you know, Debbie Downer here, but uh, I, I think McCann's on his way to the DL. I, I just, you shouldn't speculate and you the, shouldn't put stuff out there. So but, it's the beginning of the Eddie Rodriguez era. But when a catcher does come up to the manager and say, hey, I, I got to get <clears throat> yeah. this checked out. Some, something's not right. And it might, be, it might be seven days. It might be the 15th. Who knows? Yeah. But I just think he's on his way for a little extended trip. To the At least DFA. they have the open spot on the 40-man now, thanks to the DFA of Carpenter, so they don't have to make another move to All add right. Rodriguez or Romine or, unless they were going to bring up Gary Sanchez, which is highly uh, I wouldn't think they would yeah. do that. but uh, Highly questionable, much like Dan Levitard's show. I'm not taking anything away from John Ryan Murphy, but – He's not Brian McCann's bat, you know, so he could call. He's fine behind the plate, which is, as Joe Girardi always says, that's what he wants in a catcher. He wants Mm -hmm. a defensive catcher, call the game, get everything done behind the plate, and then worry about hitting second. With McCann and with Posada and with Russell Martin before them, you know, you didn't have to worry about the offense. The offense was there. Uh, Speaking of which, how about Francisco Cervelli's year so far? This is what he now showed. Look, this is what he showed that April before he got hurt, and then he got the biogenesis suspension. Yeah, I, I know he's got the biogenesis thing uh, you know, under his belt, just like Alex Rodriguez. But uh, you know, the guy could have threw his arms up and given up. And I, I tell you, I've had many lengthy mm-hmm. conversations with him, and I I had a gut feeling that that wasn't going to be the case. No, nope. and he's. But like I'm saying, this is the offensive ability, not to this extent, because he was Mm -hmm. good, but not this good, Mm -hmm. that he showed in April of 2013 when he pretty much wrangled away that timeshare from Chris Stewart until he got hurt. Yeah. He's been that way too. It's it's been injuries that have killed his career. Isn't Chris Stewart 
wasn't he the backup till he got hurt? Yes. A couple days ago yeah. in Pittsburgh. It's a very weird situation, I know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I had to bring up my buddy Frankie. Uh, if, if there's one guy I miss, it's that guy. Yeah. Well, him and David Huff used to have the locker next to each other mm-hmm. once Huff returned last mm-hmm. year. And you would always hear Iggy Azalea bumping out of their speaker between their locker. And it was very bizarre, but it, you miss that after a while. Like, oh. Congratulations to Nick Young. Congratulations to Iggy on canceling her entire tour. Yeah, good for them. Oh well. Um, we we have we're at a magic half hour this week because yeah. we had a guest scheduled scheduling conflicts because of me and things going on. We were not hey, able to do that, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to it next week. So we're only yeah. at a magic half hour this week. We're at a magic half hour, but uh, we will tell you this: uh, next week, you know, there's a bunch of ballyhoo going on about Rob Ref Snyder mm-hmm. whether he's ready uh, to join the Yankees as a second baseman in the major leagues. Uh, as you heard me last week, there are a couple of <sighs> on-air talent um, on a certain radio station, uh, which will remain nameless, that were saying um, that he he could not be a minor league second baseman. Uh, why would the Yankees move him up to the major leagues? Now, look, if he was ready and Brian Cashman was on with Michael and he said they don't have a, a solution to the problem right now, so in internally – they probably think he's still not ready. That was excellent GM speak by Brian Cashman when Michael basically said, what is the fascination with Stephen Drew? Which is fine. Which is fine. However, I got it from the horse's mouth. I got it from the people working with him. I got it from the manager in Scranton, Dave Miley. I got it from uh, the people who broadcast down there. And from his defensive coach, Justin Torty, as well. Justin Torty, his defensive coach, who's been working with him since April – uh, on his defense and how it's been night and day. So next week, we're going to set up a special Rob Ref Snyder show for you guys. Um, we'll have Donnie Collins. Uh, he is the beat reporter for the Rail Riders uh, in Scranton. He's going to call in. For the Times Tribune. Yeah, and we'll talk to him about his progression. Uh, I'm also going to effort, TV word, efforting to get Ref Snyder himself and, and maybe ask him, uh, how he's progressed and how he feels. And if we can't get him um, in person, I did do the interview with him down there in Scranton. I did ask him about his progression, so maybe we could just toss to that sound yeah, and talk and about get it. people to hear yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you guys want to hear it from people who have seen him with their own two eyes in Scranton who know mm-hmm. what's going on, then tune into this podcast next week because yeah. we're going to give you that. I will say two things before we wrap this up based on that. Number one, uh, Brendan Ryan played second base and third base in his first two rehab games in uh, Scranton. He played shortstop, the one he played in Tampa. That leads into my second point that I believe it was Mark Melusis last night on after the Joe and Evan um, broadcasting the softball game at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that mentioned that the way things look right now, maybe it's the Yankees now have to take a long look at is it Steven Drew or is it Didi Gregorius? Who do we? Who is the better option for us going forward? Because Brendan Ryan's playing all over the infield. Ref Snyder's a second baseman. Both of these guys can play short. So maybe, you know, Carpenter got his chances and he got more chances and he blew it and he's gone. Maybe this is what happened to Steven Drew after those couple days off. This is now your chance. Like, you got a couple weeks here. Show me what you got or else we're going to might have to make a hard decision. Personally, for me, it's no decision at all. Just based on economics, but... You know, the Yankees have to be a little – they have to look at things through a different optic, as was said uh, by Malusis. So who knows? 
I don't know. I I, yeah. I I know how I feel about the whole thing, and you know, it just makes sense to me. And people think I'm, you know, they would think I'm crazy, but <clears throat> I, you can't just throw the kid into the fire at second base. I get that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's an issue if you have Brendan Ryan, okay, and you could put him at second or short. He's interchangeable, mm-hmm. and have Ref Snyder up here on the bench. Now look. Somebody would have to get hurt for that to happen. Uh, you can't just willy-nilly do it. But I, I don't think it would be a bad thing for the Yankees. And I know you want them to play every day. I, I get that as well. Anything that, less thrown than, into the mix. Anything less than four to five games a week, depending on off days, is, where, is, is a waste. Solely for the fact that if the issue is defensive development, and then we've seen what happens to guys who, who can't hit, necessarily in certain situations. It took Garrett Jones a while to go, and Murphy hasn't really gotten going. Perella hasn't done anything because they play so infrequently. Anything less than four to five days a week I think would be a waste because then you'd be losing development time. However, you do have Brendan Ryan. And if you have Stephen Drew That's as your guy point. and not Gregorius, there's a lot of interchangeability there. Yeah. So you know maybe it works. But you can't throw the guy into the fire, yes, but we've now gone an, an entire season since he signed and played his first game with the Red Sox last year of Stephen Drew hitting less than 170. I, I just, I mean, what do you do? I know. <laughs> All you could do is shrug your shoulders. I, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, well, we in, talked about it last week with Brian Roberts. I mean, we saw the quick hook on yeah. David Carpenter, who was a lot cheaper. He's only making $1.3 million or whatever. But. He was a guy with two more years of arbitration eligibility. He's almost 30, so you're like, you're getting into, you're having this guy for a while, what, isn't it? And they got rid of him. What did, because I tried to click on that uh, Kay and Cashman thing mm-hmm. more than once, and it never played for me. I don't know if I was in a bad Wi-Fi area or what. But when he asked him what the fascination with Drew was, what did he say? Like I said, it was some great GM speak from, from Brian Cashman, who's very good at that. Yes. Who's also very good at being honest, too. I mean, he, no, he'll he just is. flat out tell Absolutely. you, like, you know, you know well, this blows. But it's what not going to pull any punches. No. Yeah. And his basic idea was, you know, it's, it's a matter of we, we know what we've got internally. We see what we have. You know, situations with the economics and Stephen Drew, you look at what's out there on the market. There's not necessarily a lot of impact players available up the middle. So, you know, they, they went with what they felt was best. They felt... He reiterated, you know, they felt that last year was him not having spring training and all that, this and that. But, okay, that's great in the past. But on June 4 at 1.55 p.m., as it is as we're speaking to you, he had spring training. He's been healthy all year. There's no excuse. He's worse. There's no excuse. There isn't. And like I mean, all all the conjecture of what may have happened last year aside, you're now at a point where... We are 54 games. through. We're a third of the way into this season. It's June 4th. You have a player in your starting lineup hitting less than 175. That's the reality of the situation. You have a guy in AAA who's hitting in the 280 range. I don't know the exact number because it's gone up and down. He had that hit streak, and then he was one for his next 20, and then he's been back and forth. But you also have a guy in the bench in Perella who hit 333 in seven or eight games last year was tearing the cover off the ball in spring training and they ran into the wall and knocked himself yeah. out in St. Lucie. I know, Some, it's, I know it sucks to eat $5 million, but again, Brendan Ryan has cost you $5 million. Somewhere we need Johnny from Airplane to come and unplug Stephen Drew. <laughs> Surely you jest. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know when you pull a plug. I, I don't know if... 
I don't know what they're waiting for with this guy. I really don't. I, you're, you're waiting on him to turn it around? And you're also well past the Super 2 deadline. So anybody who might think of that as, like, you know, not even the Cubs with Chris Bryant and all that, where it's they, they left him in the minors one day longer than needed to get the extra year of service time, you're not only well past that, you're past the Super 2 deadline, most likely, where now you won't have to pay Ref Snyder four years of arbitration instead of three. So anybody who might have even had that conspiracy theory in your head, you're at a point now where that's, that's out the window, too. Uh, so we'll have all that for you next week, and we'll also – the draft is Tuesday, correct? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Yankees have two first-rounders. Yeah. Yankees have two first-rounders, so uh, maybe we'll work on getting somebody from, uh, that could talk on the draft picks as well. They have a high one, and they have a supplemental. 17th overall, I think. Yep. And then they have a supplemental in that sandwich area. So a busy show already for next week. Yeah. And, uh, and then the week after that will be, I'm sure, a good show. And then the week after that, I know what the show is going to be because it's going to be taped because I won't be away. here. I'll yes. be in Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. O-H-I-O. Yeah. What's round in the middle and high in the ends. <laughs> See, I did that backwards just to make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> round on the ends and high in the middle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On that note. <laughs> Let's wrap this one up. Yes. For Lou DiPietro, that's at Lou DiPietro, yes, on the Twitter machine, and at Chris Sheeran, yes, that would be me. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Chris Sheeran Show podcast here on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.